curious, competitive, compassionate. Salespeople are drawn to their careers in much the same way musicians are drawn to music. Once you've learned the language of sales, the beauty is in your ability to personally interpret what you've learned to suit your personality, your interest, and your skill. My name is Roger Burnett, and this is the So You're In Sales podcast, where we consider ways to grow as people as we advance in our careers and learn firsthand from those ahead of us on the path to accelerate our journey. I'm lucky to get to talk every two weeks with entrepreneurs, business owners, thought leaders, authors, and people of all walks of life, each with a unique story to share and a look at their lessons along the way. Prepare to be educated, informed, entertained, and inspired. This is the So You're In Sales Podcast. The So You're In Sales Podcast is sponsored by Social Good Promotions. Social Good Promotions was founded on the premise that any business can stand out from their competition when they are doing things they really believe in. True success these days is measured by the ways your employees feel about working for you and the ways your business is making the community a better place. Ultimately, it's about the ways you and your business will be remembered. If you're looking to grow your sales revenue while activating social good at the same time, we'll be your favorite marketing partner ever. Book a meeting with us at socialgoodpromotions.com, follow us on Instagram at sogoodpromo, and let's get connected. We've done great work using our unique and effective strategy. Let us show you how. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. It's a new episode, and this is one that I'm really excited to bring to you. I've been trying to bring Jay Akunzo on for a while now. Jay is widely recognized as an authority on all things podcasting and content, docu-series, long-form content, all of those things that all of us are considering for ourselves as we try to figure out ways to engage our prospects and build relationships with them over a period of time. So I brought Jay on. He's got just all of the experience in the world. You know, he's he uh, has the three clips podcast himself where he invites people in to talk about the ways that p- other people are uh, coming up with show premises. He's the founder of Marketing Showrunners, which is a company designed specifically for helping people achieve their content goals. And his book, Break the Wheel, was really influential in a number of people's strategies when it comes to the ways they're presenting themselves on social media and using long-form content. It was a really informative interview. I got lots of information from it. I hope you do the same. Give it a listen. Hey, J-Man, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. You know, it's February already somehow. I, I don't know how this has happened. The year is off to just a, a out of the shoot start kind of thing where uh, I'm talking to a lot of folks in, in the discussions that we're having with people, especially from a pre- planning perspective. You know, this is an unusual year because a lot of people are really unclear about exactly how they want to forecast, exactly how they want to budget for things. So I thought you would be great to bring on at this juncture as a lot of people delayed some of the things they were considering doing this year and are kind of looking at it like right this very second. So uh, obviously, you know, for those that don't know you, they'll figure this out pretty quickly where your lane is all about and what, what you really like to preach from a content perspective. But I know in our space, because of the massive change 
that's going on in our industry right now. There's a lot of business owners that are going to be listening to this and they're in the midst of an evaluation around what should I do differently? You know, there was a 10 year period of really economic prosperity that was really unprecedented. And it forced a lot of people to really not think about those nagging things that may have been changes that they wanted to make. Or, you know, it was like someday when I get a minute moment, well, here we are. Right. We're at that moment now. So I know there's a lot of people who are thinking about that. So, you know, in your lane, from a content perspective, you know, you've really, you, you've gone all in on this notion of long form content. So mm -hmm. I really, I want to give you the chance to proselytize to the listenership <laughs> on why you think that's so important. Sure. I mean, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, why long form content? I don't necessarily think that it's about the container, which is, you know, is it long form? Is it short form? I, I don't think that matters. I think where it all begins is people don't need yet another podcast, video show, newsletter, short form or long form, where the creator of that uh, vehicle is just doling out answer after answer, right? So like, you got a question, we get an answer. You got a question, we get an answer over and over and over again. That's commodity content. And you can get that from anywhere. And you're saying to the world, like, I happen to be right here. So hopefully you find me and not the 1200 other people who are doing the same exact thing. And so I think what we're living in is this era where, you know, the dark side of the information age, if you will, especially in the business world, advice overload. And, and I think like when we're tired and stressed and overwhelmed and confused and, you know, all these other variables that are like shaking our core, the last thing we want is like yet another guru popping up to be like, follow my seven step plan for success. And I think what we need is instead of having more experts in the world, I think we need more explorers. Mm -hmm. And the difference is experts care about absolutes. And they're the ones that sort of like they're the precursor to best practices forming. And absolutes really have no place in a world where there's too many moving parts, too much change, too many variables. The general advice, which I'm sort of giving right now, has very incremental value at best and very short shelf life to it. So instead of following an expert, I think you as a business leader should either follow or become an explorer. And the difference is instead of trading in absolutes, you need to start focusing on evidence. And the way you get to be an explorer is you ask better questions. You ask bigger questions, questions that Google can't simply answer with a little box at the top. Um, so I think we're living through this era where that's what the moment demands. That's what businesses are trying to figure out how to do. And I think that the best vehicle to do that happens to be a show. So that's why, you know, you said I'm so invested in long form content. I have a podcast called Three Clips, which is about having podcasters come and talk about their process and take us behind the scenes of how great shows get made. Because there we find it's actually in the micro. It's not about this big moment or idea. It's about these tiny things we can all do. It's just that nobody talks about them. So that's the premise behind three clips. So that's why I'm so invested in it. It's because this moment, I think, demands, and I, don't, I think it just got more acute right now. But the moment demands that we act more like explorers and ask big questions to solve meaningful problems, not just profess to have the answers. Because I think especially right now, who the hell actually does? Right. With things changing just so incredibly quickly that even if you did have an answer in this moment, by the time you were able to communicate your answer, in most instances, the circumstances that your answer would be relevant have changed already. Right. So you miss out on this opportunity. You, right. You, you touched on a really interesting topic in some of the stuff that I want to talk to you about as far as what you're offering 
yourself from a content perspective. And the reason why I want to bring this up at this point in the discussion is because, so if what you just said is true and I, as the listener, am considering, oh gosh, like this has to be more than just making a decision about picking a vehicle. Yep. It's got to be much more about like, what do I really want to say? And this notion of premise development, I think it's really, really important for people to hear you talk about, it's not just, oh, I'm going to come up with a podcast. It's why are you coming up with a podcast and what's going to make it be something that both I would want to continue to listen to and you as the person producing the content would want to continue to create. Yeah. I mean, there's a challenge you're going to face when you start a show, a newsletter, anything meant to be delivered consistently. We typically start with challenges that are incremental and should be best thought through later. Like what microphone do I use? Or should my podcast also be in video? Like these are where we obsess. These are not that important. The more important thing, the most important thing, the number one challenge you'll face is can you say something that matters? Can you make something that actually makes a difference? Because that's what our goals are. Like we conflate in this modern, you know, measure everything digital world, we conflate metrics with goals. Metrics are measures of goals, right? Grow the blog 50% month over month. That's a measure of the goal. So what's the goal? Well, it's some version of make a difference, make something that makes a difference. So if you're launching a podcast, for example, do you have a premise? Because the premise is what prompts subscription. The premise is what gives people motivation to go on this journey with you or throw up their hands and be like, finally, someone made a show about this. I'm going to tell my friends about it. And so often most people are skipping that step because they're like, what's the tech? It's a trend. I'm going to do it. I don't know why. Because it is. Because it's a thing. So that's the first challenge. And I keep coming back to podcasts as an example. You could point to a newsletter. You could point to an event series. Whatever you're doing, if it's meant to be delivered consistently, very rarely are we developing the IP behind it so we can own an idea in the minds of the people we're trying to serve. And I'll I'll sort of end this rant by saying like, we we put too much emphasis in sales and marketing around this idea of owning your audience, owning your customer. You don't. (laughs) You might be able to own an idea in their minds though. So that when they encounter something, feel something, think something, see something, you immediately pop to mind. And so like a really great example of that comes from the sales world actually, which is a tech company called Lessonly out of Indianapolis. So they sell training software for salespeople and I think also customer support teams. So they said that they have, they told me in an interview They have 79 domestic competitors, 79, and they all do the same kind of marketing, talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, tips and tricks and how to's and cheats and hacks for sales. Well, Lessonly decided to launch a podcast called Practice First. And the idea here is to elevate the role of practice among salespeople, because if you view your job as something you can practice and improve, you'll get better at sales. So instead of saying, here are tips to be better at sales, they were like, we're going to own this idea of practice explore it more deeply, go on a journey to understand it, elevate it, and create something defensible for our brand. Because if anyone else came along and copied a how-to article, nobody bats an eye. But if someone comes along and copies something related to practice, everyone's like, what are you doing? That's Lessonly's thing. Get off their corner. (laughs) Right? So they'll talk to an Olympian on the podcast, not just a sales executive. They'll talk to a sommelier. They're, They're looking at the concept that they're exploring, the premise they've developed, not just the topics, but sort of the angular belief system into the topics. So it's a show about sales excellence, but unlike every other show about sales excellence, they zoom into how world-class practitioners practice in any field so you can practice better in yours. That is an example of saying something that matters and prompting subscription in a world of 
just generic noise that fails to do so. Man, I know I've got a new podcast to subscribe to. Thank you very much. It's really, it's really about finding that lane. And I perceive that there are folks out there that myself included, you know, we're, we're putting out content and to make sure that we as the producer of the show are staying true to that premise. Mm -hmm oftentimes is one of the most challenging things yeah. to try to accomplish because if you don't have that really well articulated for yourself, then you'll kind of go where the wind pushes you. And, right. you know, so then you end up with 75 episodes of different shows all talking about COVID in April and May, <laughs> when in reality, there's probably other folks out there who are already past talking about COVID and wanting to figure out like, what's the solution set? And if you've got a more narrow focus for your show, you've got a better opportunity to get right to that part of what people are really looking for. So, so, but I would say for me, and, and you know, you, you clearly get more time to discuss this with people, but I think that's fear driven. And a lot of times it's just, I don't know exactly what it is I want to say. Yep. So I'll just know that I have something I need to be putting out and that'll be good enough for me. I, I think the, the problem is, um, we like the idea of storytelling. We like the idea of saying we have a brand story, but we don't actually have a story because a story involves tension. There's no, if there's no tension, there's no story. And so like every story, you can kind of boil it down to the same three component parts. I call this the one simple story. It's like the atomic unit of a story is tension. And then when you add that atom to a couple other atoms, you get a molecule. Is that how science works? I think it is. I don't know. Either way, here are the three elements. Status quo, tension or conflict or question, conflict, resolution. So status quo, this is what's happening. This is what you're trying to do. This is what you are. This is what you are experiencing. Tension. But because of X or because of this, you then encounter this problem. And here's the, where things get difficult, right? Here's where you have uncertainty. We all experience it resolution, not buy my product, not work with my brand, but what's a better way. So an easy example, I'll just back to three clips. I'm hosting a podcast about podcasts. Do you know how many podcasts exist about podcasting? Like all of them, all of the podcasts. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say to people is this one simple story of you want to create something big, some special show for your audience. The problem is creativity becoming known as big means often it's inaccessible to us. So we think we need the gift or the muse to visit, the lightning strike moment. We don't look at things like process and craft. We think creativity means big. I actually think creativity is the sum total of lots of little pieces mm -hmm. all strung together, lots of little choices. So if you just focus on mastering the little things you can do, you can create something big. Oh, by the way, where we're exploring that for podcasters happens to be a show called Three Clips. And we're really not good at doing that. You know, whether you sell promotional products to people running events and building their brands or some other type of product or service, we're really bad at agitating the tension because mm -hmm. we want to skirt past it and we want to say, just work with us. But a storyteller lives in tension. A storyteller is trained to use what they call open loops. Um, here's an example of, of a better way to communicate. Um, and, and this is an example of an open loop. So Roger, this morning I woke up, went downstairs to the kitchen and on the table was my notebook and I opened the front cover and I read five words that always inspire me. 
Now that story is about nothing. I just told you a story about literally nothing, right? I went to the kitchen. There was my notebook. I opened it. But what is the question on your mind? What were the words? What were the five words, right? So that's like the magic of storytelling when you use it correctly, when you use it to not just grab attention, but actually hold it and develop a relationship. So now you're like, keep talking, please. So this idea, these ideas we throw around that seem big, brand differentiation, right? Like standing out in a sea of noise. We talk about all these things as sales practitioners, marketing practitioners, brand builders. What we fail to realize is what does that actually take? And for my money, if you're telling a better story, you're learning how to trade intention and intrigue that you actually do pay off. You're not just saying it's a clickbait headline. Um, and so I think that's, that's a preventative barrier from a lot of us doing something that actually matters to our audience. Because we're too quick to say, well, I sell the same thing as everybody else, right? Or, you know, here's the bunch of benefits. Or we're, too, we're rushing past the tension and we're not actually cementing a relationship by relating to people through it. We're, you know, it's what Brene Brown calls gold-plated grit. It's yeah. like, you're in, you're in this position and then this gets hard. So buy Acme Inc.'s products. It's like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's, let's not oversimplify here. Let's live in the tension a while. Let's learn to relate to each other as humans and feel personal. That's where people go, oh, you're speaking to my soul, right? It's this personal feeling that you have. So I, I know that was a kind of a meandering answer, but I, I get excited about this because true to form with my show, Three Clips, it doesn't have to be big. It's not some magical thing. It's just understanding how to actually hold people's attention and, and give them something worth their time. Yeah, and I, I'm going to make sure that I put this series in front of my uh, listenership. I want to talk to you about what you did with Against the Grain. Sure. What a show, right? <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, for those of us, present company included, who espouse to long form narrative to try to explain what it is that makes the competitive differentiation come to life. You know, there's really no better format than video and against the grain, you know, it takes advantage of the Wistia platform, which I'm always preaching. There's all kinds of reasons why we could sit and say why that's the right strategy as well. But Talk to me about how against the grain fits into the three things that you just described and the way that that worked sure. so sure. that when people go out and watch it now, they'll understand the backstory of sure. how, you, so how you did it. Uh, thank you for the shout out for the show, by the way. I appreciate the love. Um, uh, so before COVID, I was working on a documentary series called Against the Grain as the, I was the host, the writer, and, and one of the directors. And I was hired by this brand, Help Scout, which sells customer service software. And... Help Scout's CEO, Nick Francis, and I um, had a bit of a relationship and we were talking about this idea he had for a show where, you know, he was talking about customer-centric and human-centric brands, conscious capitalism, businesses that put craft and community at the center of what they do, and kind of a rejection of the historic, like, scorched-earth capitalism. Like, I, I'm going to grow and grow fast and, 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 and fierce, and I don't really care the damage I leave behind. Um, and there's a better way to grow businesses. And so we were like, okay, we're going to go on a journey to find businesses that do this and tell their stories. And eventually maybe there's some commonalities that we can pull out from those episodes and do an event series or write the book or, you know, do a lot of different, what they call IP extensions. But the first challenge was developing that initial story. So, you know, nowhere is the story more potent than if you watch a trailer for the show, for example. And so in the trailer, you'll see me talking about, you know, if you're sick of, 
this winner-take-all, high-growth-everything approach to business. If you think there's a better way to grow that benefits careers, companies, and communities alike, then join us on a journey as we venture all over the country looking for these businesses and telling their stories because more than ever before, those are the stories that deserve to be told. And we're not saying buy Help Scout's product. <laughs> we're trying to speak to the soul of the buyer and build a platform that they feel seen, they feel excited, and more importantly, that we're inviting them to come with us as we explore it. And I think that's a huge change, Roger. Instead of saying, I have all the answers, here's my content, here's the answers. It's saying, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I'd like to find them. We're on the hunt for them. And you're part of that. You know, it's like the status quo where we stand is not good enough. Something is broken or underexplored. The mountain peak that I see in the distance is over there. Do you see it? Cool. Do you want to go there with us? Yeah. Like we'd like to get there. That's a better way of the world. All right. The problem is there's a jungle between us and the mountain peak. How do we get through the jungle? I have no idea. We're taking swing after swing. <laughs> Come with us. Right. Right. That's the beauty of a show. That's the beauty of anything serialized or episodic is you get to say to people like, this is a journey and it runs ever deeper. So instead of what I'd call transactional content, which is just a quick injection of information, you know, you'd rather have consumed it in the past You'd rather already know what it is they're trying to teach you. It's more experiential. It's more transformative. And as a result, Help Scout is in pole position to lead that movement. Right. And oh, by the way, if that's your belief system and you're building your business and you'd like to now apply that belief system to customer support, guess who you're probably going to purchase? Help Scout. And so we can all do that. You know, you and I talked before about the promotional products industry. And it's like, well, instead of talking about promotional products, what do promotional products help do for an event, for a brand? Why do people love the right promotional products? What's the bigger mission here? You know, nobody buys a better pillow. They're buying a better night's sleep. So what are people actually buying? What are people actually believing in deeply? And what is the change that an intrepid individual who's watching or listening would actually want to spark in the industry, right? The show, the content, the brand is about that. And oh, by the way, we have a product that addresses that. But, you know, you mentioned Wistia, they sell video software and now, now podcasting software as well. Their CEO, Chris Savage, said to me once, we want to make business more human. And by the way, our products are like 5% of the solution for that, right? And there's other companies out there we can also partner with that believe what we believe. Same vision, different complementary solution. So they're willing to say, like, we're not the end-all be-all. We have a percent solution towards this better world. But the more important thing that they do is they market the mission, not the product. And so that was against the grain. It's like this highly produced kind of like I was doing my best Anthony Bourdain impersonation. You know what I mean? Um, Is (laughs) a documentary series to do that. It was awesome. It was awesome. Thank you. I had a ton of fun. I I want to do more. So here's where I come out on this. So, you know, in, in the book that we wrote, Stan Phelps and I, what we talk about is, especially now with the pandemic, your brand's trustworthiness is more under investigation than it's ever been. Sure. And so what longer form content does for you is if our objective is to grow our trust with the people who are going to ultimately do business with us, I have to structure activities as you're coming along that journey with me that are things that you can reference that will allow you in a self-serve instance to be able to grow that trust level for me. So that by the time it's time for you to want what I do, I'm already seen as the choice for you because you've come along on that journey with me right. this entire time. 
Cause you're right. not leading with the commodity. Like you need a promotional product for your brand. And we happen to be a company that offers that. And, and here's how we stack up against the competition. And now it's a comparative battle. It's a race to nowhere, a race to the bottom. But if you're saying, you know, I spoke at a, a skew camp a couple of years ago in, in Pittsburgh and I was struck by how everybody believed in these bigger causes or this idea that, that I'm talking about, but would retreat back to the same idea, which was like, but we sell whatever. We sell branded mugs and hats and t-shirts and posters and squishy balls. And it's like, well, okay, that might be true. But when it's a great fit between you and a client, why are they so excited? And sure, there's probably some tactical elements like you're fun to work with and you have sound quality product on offer, but something is happening in their brain or in their lives and work post-purchase. And that's actually the idea you want to own, right? So like if you're starting up a podcast, just to continue with that same example here, uh, you know, what do promotional products do? They help you, the, the holder of the product, remember, Right it makes an experience more memorable. It makes a brand more memorable. Okay. Create a show about brand memorability. I don't think anyone's doing that. What does it take to do things and create experiences that are memorable? We want more individuals and customers and clients in this world to think and care about being memorable, not acquiring customers, right? Be memorable because that helps you acquire customers and retain customers too, right? Great. There's the show. You know, it's not a sales conversation. It's practice first. It's yeah. not a discussion about event management as one tiny example. It's a discussion of memorable experiences. And you can talk to people that you would actually sell to or have, but you could also talk to folks in psychology. You could talk to authors. You could talk to artists. Like, own the idea of being memorable. And oh, by the way, if you believe you're building experiences for your audience and your constituents to be memorable, and now you need some products, well, oh, by the way, we have them. Like that's the play. That's how you do this. It's chess, not checkers. So as, as promised, you've, you've agreed to do this critique for Mr. Burnett. So as we are sitting on the, so you're in sales podcast and I came, Oh, so close. I looked today. We're just a hair under 17,000 listens. So we've done it for four years. We've had a fair amount of people pay attention to the show. And yet I'm always looking to grow and make this even more valuable to my listenership. So I'm going to grit my teeth and and let you fire away, buddy. (laughs) Give give me the goods, man. Sounds good. I'm happy to do it. And I appreciate you being so vulnerable. Um, So the first thing I would encourage you to think through is the premise. That's, That's that first challenge I mentioned. Say something that matters. And the premise is what provides motivation to subscribe. So it's what does the growing. Um... And there's an easy heuristic you can use to, to pressure test your premise. And it really does take eating, eating some humble pie, but um, most shows stop at the topics. Very few have a compelling hook. So in other words, your premise is topics plus hook or what you talk about plus how you talk about it. And so the, the latter part is much harder to figure out and it can be built over time. And so you have a bunch of episodes and I would encourage you to go back and really interrogate what's worked on those episodes and where people have responded with, with passion. Okay. So not a ton of people, but you know, not the top line number, like the most downloaded episode, but the one you hear most about when you talk to folks. And then I would try to position it like this. This is a show about X. Those are your topics. Unlike other shows about X, only we Y. Mm-hmm. So that's the X, Y premise pitch. Mm-hmm. This works for any project, but I think it's especially potent for a show. 
where you're trying to come up with this idea, like this is a show about sales and excellence in sales. Unlike other shows about sales, only we, what? Uh, only we zoom into one specific call and break it down with our guests. That's a gimmick, right? It's not a hollow gimmick. It's an applicable, relevant gimmick, you know? So, but it, so it helps, um, but it's an easy conceit, right? It's almost like a gamified thing. Sure. Unlike other shows about sales, only we go on a quest to elevate the role of this theme that no one else is exploring, right? Like the idea of being memorable. Mm -hmm. And so there's all, there's a gradation in between the gimmick and the quest. So only we what? And this is built. I don't think it's quite found, but you've built a lot of stuff. And I would start there because once you do, now you can go talk to anybody you find interesting and press them through that filter, mm -hmm. right? So the questions you ask me, good questions, well-researched questions, they could be more tailored to the specific premise. Another easy way to think about it is if you were going to write the best-selling big concept book, you know, like Originals by Adam Grant, uh, I mean, you name it here, Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, the big concept book in your space, does the show essentially serve as your public research vehicle for it? Because mm -hmm. it's the premise. Um, it's original, it's IP that you can actually defend against anybody else. So I've mentioned a couple. I mentioned the memorability idea. I mentioned lesson least practice first. Um, there's another one about uh, communicating with your parents, which I love to cite. It's called How to Talk to Mommy and Poppy About Anything. Wow. <laughs> Here's the specific premise. It's for adult children of immigrant parents trying to speak to their parents about the tough stuff. Wow. That's beautiful. That is a specific premise because there's a lot implied there right? There's a lot like, okay, you're probably struggling to talk to your immigrant parents about the tough stuff and yada, yada, yada. But it's also IP. And the host, uh, her name is Juleka Lentigua Williams. She came on three clips and she was like, the first thing I think about Jay before I launch a show like that is, yes, this is going to be the show, but can I list five IP extensions? Mm -hmm. So it could be a spinoff series because you replace mommy and poppy with some other culture. It could be a best-selling book someday with a model in it, like a visual model for how you approach these conversations. It, it could be, um, you know, an event series. It could be, you name it, it could be that. So I think that's what you're going for here. So I, I would start and stop my critique with that. Really articulate a tighter premise. Do not worry about being a catch-all because the more you focus and get specific, the more it will resonate with the right people. And try to put the, the test to it, right? Like turn the screws on your idea and see if it holds up. The XY premise pitch can help. And so can this idea of like jot down what the IP extensions would be. You know, a lot of times when people feel like there's some kind of magic bullet, it seems like it has to be more complicated. And if you just have something very similar or simple to filter, it's the practice of, of creating and producing things through the filter that actually will give you that true opportunity for improvement. So that's awesome. I appreciate that. So um, for people who want to, ha who haven't already started keeping track of Jay, wh where would you encourage people to start that process if sure. they were so inclined? For sure. I, there's three projects that I work on consistently. My podcast, Three Clips. That's if you're interested in podcasting. My story style podcast, Unthinkable. That's if you love creativity and people who break from best practices, unthinkable. And then my newsletter is called Playing Favorites, which is, uh, you know, I, I send out stories once a, once a week on Friday mornings, very similar to the conversation we were having today. Awesome. And I will be sure to, as always, link out to those things to people should they be so interested, man. I can't thank you enough, Jay. I really thank appreciate you. it. It's been fun. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, Roger.
So wow, 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 and wow again. There's so much in there. I'm hoping that you all got as much from that as I did. You know, it was a little scary to have him suggest to me in the pre-show preparation that he wanted to offer a critique of what it is that we've done here at the So You're In Sales podcast. And I really spent a fair amount of time in reflection, listening to what it was he was trying to say when it comes to the promise development behind that show. And I will promise to all of you as a result of that critique from Jay, that you're going to see some things that I'm going to go ahead and press go on that I'd been sitting maybe a little too idly waiting for something to give me that push that I needed to make it come true. And I think this interview was the one that makes it happen. We are in the home stretch coming up on a hundred number episode number 100. And I give you this promise. Before we get to that 100th episode, I will have explained to you how what happened today will change the way this show looks going forward. And I hope that you will be energized and excited about that, just like I am just thinking about it. I hope you got some value out of that. If you did, please share it around with other folks. We're constantly trying to grow the reach of the program so that we can get guests like Jay for you to listen to and get more information from. Until next time. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon.